The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest tonight is the Dirtologist, Dirtbag Dan, the Godfather of Phil, and many other names. Let me cut you off there and shoot a couple of my names out there if you don't mind. I am the godfather of filth, the sultan of slime, the guru of grime, the duke of dust, the prince of puke, the master of mud, and the deacon of dirt. One time known as Pound the Poon. That's a long story. <laughs> dirt bag Dan. Hey, that's awesome. You're a deacon, too, and um, you've married some people as well. Um, I heard a story that um, you married your ex-girlfriend. I did, in fact, marry my ex-girlfriend. Uh, it was my first wedding I ever performed, and for an ex-girlfriend to ask me to do it, it's very interesting. It's more interesting that her Italian father was eyeballing me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably um, get- but How are you tonight, sir? Pretty good, man. I'm, I'm just enjoying my time getting back and podcasting during this horrible coronavirus which is hard on everybody, especially the professional wrestlers out there in the independent wrestling world? It's insane. That's why I drink Bud Light. Ugh. Corona, my ass. <laughs> so how much Bud Light have you been drinking since you don't like Corona? Not that much because I worked during the week, but I did pick myself up a 30-pack this morning, which makes me sound like an alcoholic, but I wanted to make sure I got to the liquor store in time. Hey, why not, man? With my paper, I'm buying liquor. <laughs> so how'd you come up with the Dirtologist? The Dirtologist came up as a, a funny joke, because I, I, the whole thing was like, brainstorming was like, let's see, there's archaeologists, there's gynecologists, and there's the Dirtologist. And from right there, it just kind of stuck. <laughs> Hey, I like it. Um, let's talk about uh, a great guy you uh, was was like a mentor to you, to you and you well respected, uh, Richie Rotten. Richie Rotten, um, love this guy. If anybody in New Jersey is hearing this and knows Richie Rotten, Richie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Richie is a genuinely decent gentleman, great guy, good hearted, but tough as nails when it always came down to training. He's your friend outside that ring, but when it comes to training, He's going to work you, and he's going to push you to your limits and then some more. He's going to push you to a point you never knew you had. And at the end of the day, you might be puking in a garbage can, but you're going to thank him. Because you're going to reach down deep inside you and do things you you never imagined. Outside that ring, this guy will call you on a regular to check up on you, how your family's doing. Just generally talk to you as a person. Not as a, all right, kid, we need you to come down and train, sell 25 tickets, and... uh. Tell your mother to buy four tickets herself. <laughs> oh, he just—he was a guy. He was one of the boys, but they too, he was also a boss. So, though you always had to draw that line. You had to respect it and know where it was. Richie, though, I believe he's helping train down at um, Pro Wrestling Magic now. If anyone has the opportunity to check it out, please do Pro Wrestling Magic uh, on Facebook, Twitter. It's a great opportunity. I bet it is. Um, let's talk about your debut with uh, Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. And you got into a hardcore match with the heavy metal Viking Hooks. And what was it like to get in a bloody, beat-up brawl with the heavy metal Viking Hooks? Well, 
when it comes to blood, I'm your guy. I'm your Huckleberry. Um, I love blood. I love violence. I like hurting people. Hook, though, on the other hand, also likes blood, likes guts, and hurting people. Going into this match, I didn't know what to expect. Here's this big, brawly, biker-looking beast of a man. And he's looking down at me like, look at this skinny fuck. Let's call it like it is. I didn't underestimate this guy at one point. I gave him my all, and he gave me his. End of the night, though, he hit me with that spear on a finger thumbtack. Got the one, two, three advancing in a hardcore tournament. Now, I'd be a fool in lying if I said I, I didn't want to attack him afterwards. I wanted to beat his fucking ass. I slid in that ring. He turned around. I extended my hand because the better man won that night. And also during that match, you used a little kid as a weapon on hooks. I did, in fact. Uh, I'm a crowd pleaser. I might be an asshole, but I'm a crowd pleaser. I had hooks down on his knees. I looked and said, who wants to get used as a weapon? This little kid couldn't raise his hand fast enough. <laughs> I picked him up, feet sticking out, used him as a battering ram right on Hook's face. <laughs> he had a best story in the world to tell Monday morning at school. I bet it was, and I bet his friends were licking up to him going, that rocks. all right let's talk about your match between another beast rebecca Payne, and then there's like an interesting story at the after party that involved the police tell me a little bit about that rebecca Payne is a former queen of the death match winner so i know she is one tough bitch we fought over in uh for battlefront pro in uh jewett city connecticut and we took this fight to the bar to the streets back inside and uh, we both got a little bloody a little violent but the best part was of course everyone knows in wrestling you travel together the boys hang out together so we figured why drive home let's get a hotel we get to the hotel to check in me and Rebecca are I can't even reference a movie right now how much blood we had maybe Carrie there we go <laughs> we were covered in so much blood the hotel clerk looked at us and goes are you guys okay do you want me to call police Thinking it's a domestic violence issue. We said, no, no, we're fine. We're just tired. We want a shower. Get to the room. He calls the fucking police on us. There's five of us in this room. Cops everywhere. They pull me outside. And they're like, um, so what's going on there, sir? Are you guys all right? Getting a fight? We're like, no, no. We just had this great wrestling match. He's like, no, are you sure? I start showing videos and pictures. They're showing videos and pictures in the room. Cops look at us and go, this is a fucking first. <laughs> One cop looks and goes, I have a friend from high school that does this uh, amateur referee named uh, William Thompson. We go, ref Bill? Ref Bill? Oh, he was our ref tonight. Oh, my God. Cop starts laughing, loving us. Goes, have a good night, guys. (laughs) That's Only in wrestling does this happen. It could have been a domestic violence issue, but we knew ref Bill. (laughs) Hey, that's priceless. And I bet when those police left, they were probably having a good laugh. And then probably afterwards, it's like, you know something? Let's go get a drink. Yeah, I I needed a drink after that altercation. Oh, my God. It's it's very rare I get stopped by a cop and like a... (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Now, tell me about a story where you uh, broke your hand uh, before you entered a wrestling ring, but you still wrestled. Uh, June of last year, I just got back from Florida after a couple days, and I'm ready to uh, go out there and have this match with a gentleman named Johnny Chill. Young kid I uh, kind of took under my wing for a while. 
do my entrance. I go to the second rope. I slip, and my body weight and my hand go down to the turnbuckle. My hands intertwine. I'm thinking nothing of it. I'm thinking, ah, you know, I just crack my knuckles, blah, blah, blah. Wrestle this match. Okay, afterwards, I get the win. I go downstairs. I'm like, oh, fuck, I think I broke my hand. Promoter's like, you okay? You down to do a tag match, too? What? What? Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I wrestle a second match, a tag team match, with a broken hand. Wow. You would think the, the smart thing would be to do is go to the hospital afterwards. I go to Dave and Buster's and play some video games instead. I bet you had the time of your life. No, no, because you need two hands to play some video games. <laughs> 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 I was going to the hospital. They say it was broken. Um, I actually needed surgery in my right hand. They had to put in some, uh, some metal steel screws in my hand. Not a pleasant experience. I was down and out for a little while, maybe two months out of wrestling. And uh, it sucked ass, man. I bet it did. You probably were having withdrawals to get back into that ring. It was, but the good thing is, I, I, I was saying with Johnny, I had taken him under my wing and my tag team partner, so I gave a lot of my bookings to them. I had contacted promoters that wanted to use me, and I said, listen, I'm down and out. I can manage. I'd like to uh, like these kids to have my bookings. And the promoters were very good with it. They let my friends have the, my partners have my bookings. Hey, that was nice of you. Now, I mean, look, if you're going to work with me and run with me, I'm going to work with you too. And I'll try to do anything I can to help someone out. Um, before you got into the blood matches, the death matches, the barbed wire matches, you were actually a pretty good uh, technical wrestler. I was, which is weird, but uh, I own the tights, I own the gimmicks, the boots, and I can amateur wrestle. I can grapple. I can go with a lot of the good technical guys. But a lot of people, when they hear the name Dirt Back Dan, you don't automatically think technical wrestler, you know? But I can back it up. A good story. Me and Robbie E. one time had a good eight-minute match, solid. Got one bump, and we finished with a roll-up. <laughs> and it was a very entertaining two characters going back and forth match, which the crowd actually enjoyed. Man, I would have loved to saw that match. When I find it, I'm going to send it over to you right away. Good. I definitely like to see that because I do like Robbie E. as well. He's an interesting kind of guy. <laughs> Me and him kind of, he started out about a year before me and came from the same school in New Jersey and he was known as Rob Echoes back then. Um, then he transformed into himself into Robbie E, the Jersey Shore fist-pumping guy. Now, I, I forget what his name is now down in NXT, actually, but I'm proud of him. Like Everyone, he's making his rounds and he's doing great. Do you still keep in touch with him? Uh, you know, we see him on our show and say what's up here and there. And he's a family man, too, now. So he's a busy guy. Let's talk about another pro star in the wrestling ring. He um, was with AEW as well, and uh, you met him, brought him into wrestling, trained him a little bit. Let's talk about Joey Janela. The bad boy Joey Janela. I met this young asshole, because it's not a character, he's kind of an asshole. He'll admit it. I met this young kid um, back in the Jersey Shore areas where he would come to my shows with his friends. And we would talk. He would always ask if I wanted to come see him back at Wrestle. I said, you know what? Why not? I'll come down. I'll check you out, kid. Always agile. Kid's always been a character. So at the time, I was helping run a wrestling school. I was like, you know what? Well, why don't I get you to some shows first? 
help set up the rings, maybe get you some in-ring time bumping around, this and that. I always bring him around to show. And he started developing. Because at the same time, too, I was training another kid named Corey Havoc. Both kids got it. Uh, I think they held Corey Havoc back where his knees from uh, amateur wrestling. But Joey kind of uh, picked it up. He was an arrogant ass. He got in a lot of fights. He got in a lot of arguments with people. <laughs> but eventually he uh, he branched off on his own, started doing his own thing, and then just kept getting more popular and more popular and more popular. And he made it. And that's awesome for him. But the funny thing is, he shit on me on the Jericho's podcast. Shit on me on Stone Cold's podcast. And now he's putting me over on Twitter, which I'm kind of happy about. I know. I've noticed a lot of that. You guys are having your little Twitter exchanges. So will we ever see you both of you guys in a ring? I hope so. A nice student versus teacher, back and forth, hardcore brawl. I think that's a good match right there. I, I would totally see it as well. <laughs> Joey Janela. He was once known as Jumping Joey Janela with purple tights and what looked like it was supposed to be a pogo stick on his tights. Looked uh-huh. like a syringe. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I got a lot of our early matches on tape still. I got to convert them to DVD. That's how old I feel, man. I got everything on tape still. <laughs> hey, those are the good old days when tape swapping was popular. I told people I'm going to do this as a joke, and I'm probably going to get a lot of bookings. I'm going to make a VHS tape, send out an a laminated 8x10 with my resume on the background to promoters, and they're probably going to book me just for putting the hard work in of mailing some shit out <laughs> instead of sending a link to YouTube. <laughs> they're going to be looking at this gun. As a promoter's uh, point of view, you get a mail one day, this big fucking square box. You open it up, there's a VHS. Now, most people don't have VCRs anymore. So you're going to look at this picture and read a resume and call me and go, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 I put four matches on there. I put a tag match. I put a win match. I put a loss match. And I put a promo on there for you, sir. What can I do for you? And I guarantee I'll get some bookings out of that. Oh, you sure will. Um, Let's also talk about your tag partner as well. Tell me a little bit about him. Cowboy. um, Big Cal Stevens. Met this kid training. Something about him I like, I saw on myself. So I told him, I tell people all the time, when I'm on the road, my car is open. Two or three people are more than welcome to get in my car. Nothing, No bookings are ever guaranteed, but it's a good way to make an, an introduction, help out, and show these promoters what you can do. So I started bringing him to shows, and by the way, he didn't get any bookings. He'd hang out. Then eventually he got a battle royal spot. They'd throw him in a tag team match with someone. Until one day, we are at the school, and I was like, yo, we kind of look alike. You're young, I could be your dad. But let's do a cousin angle. Why don't we become the uh, filthy, filthy, dirty rednecks, dirty, uh, filthy family? And from there, we started doing promos. I reached out to companies I worked for as a single wrestler, and I said, hey, I'm in a tag team now. Are you looking for tag teams? And luckily, 90% of these promotions I worked for needed tag teams. And we started getting in there doing tag team work a lot, practicing two, three times a week, doing promos. Hey, we were together so much, man, we were practically mar- married. <laughs> If you I had to cut him loose last year because his head was getting big on some real stuff. Oh, that's sad. That's a shame. Too big-headed, too quick, and I had to bring him back down to reality. And I said, I'm taking my singles booking. She's like, what about me? I was like, sorry, man. You can come with me, but I'm doing singles work. Hey, you know something? That's what you learn because a lot of these young guys nowadays, 
uh, don't know the proper, you know, locker room etiquette, the best way is is to be quiet and listen. Exactly. Um, and we were at an impact. We did some extra work for Impact last year, and weirdly, I know half the guys that work there: uh, Sammy Callahan, the uh, EFYBO, Santana and Ortiz, Falaba, who's traveled me up and down the road. So. We're there all professional, and they're coming up like, yo, dirtbag, what's up? And I'm, like, giving them hugs and stuff. And my partner's looking at me two years in the business. He's like, what are you doing, Dan? You got to be more professional. I'm like, dude, they know me. <laughs> I was like, this, you need to know when to be professional and when to be a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these are my friends. So what was the experience like for you at Impact Wrestling? Uh, it was great. Um, I want to do an extra work for some security gig. I couldn't go back the second night because I had a booking already. For a title match, I didn't want to cancel, so I for sure if I went back the next night, um, me and Fox Vineyard were there, actually. He wound up getting a match. I might have gotten a match. I don't know. I might have gotten a squash. Who knows? But anytime they're in the area, I always try to get down there and help out any way I can. Hey, that's the best way to do it. That gets your name known out there, and that gives you a lot of respect going, hey, we like this guy. Maybe um, the next time we'll book him. That's what it's about. you got to go down, make the rounds, offer your assistance. In any way possible, you show up looking professional, black button shirt, black pants, black shoes, have a referee shirt if need be. I mean, they supply them, but it's always good to have extra stuff. So have you ever refed, a, have you ever refed a match? Uh, <laughs> I was known as the, I was, it was maybe 2003, and uh, I refereed a match where even the promoter said, Dan, you're the worst referee I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, Thank you. Like that's why I'm I'm training to be a wrestler, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. My refereeing career right away. <laughs> nice. Um, so, what decided you to go from technical wrestling, and what did what made you fall in love with deathmatch wrestling and hardcore match wrestling? What what like uh, seduced you over to the dark side? I think it was uh, the first time I ever did a hardcore deathmatch style match was 2008 or 9-ish, where I went in there, we had a hardcore match, it was bloody, and the crowd response to it was just amazing, where I was like, do they like this shit that much? So I did a little more and a little more, and then it started getting more violent. Cage matches, no holds bar matches, barbed wire matches, and I was like, I like this. And they say less is more. You wind up doing a lot less in these style of matches but it's psychology because you got to tell the story at the same time. And I just fell more in love with it. And more promoters will book me for that than I think technical just because of my look. And I don't mind it. I'm here to offer what you need. You need a hardcore match. You need a light heavyweight match. You need a squash match. What do you need that I can help you with? And that's what I'll do. So what was the most bloodiest, memorable craziest match that you were ever in that you never told anybody until on this podcast? Uh, well, I think the bloodiest one was it was in the state of New York. It was a war game style match where, you know, five on five. But the kicker was, you know, New York Athletic Commission is very strict on rules. So in this match, I get busted open. And at the time, I was doing a clockwork orange style match. Have you ever seen the movie? They wear all white. Yeah. I had all white on with some punk twist on it, punk patches, my logos. So I get busted open where I'm bleeding profusely everywhere in this match. The doctor runs ringside to the cage. The commissioner runs ringside to this cage. 
and they go, you got to get out of this match. I said, I can't leave the cage. Like, you have to leave the match. And I had to oblige. Uh, you know, you can't argue with the New York Athletic Commission. They could shut a show down. They could find you. They could find the promoter. So they had to open the door just enough to sneak me out and get me in the back. I get to the back. The doctor's holding this compression gauze on my head and everything. And I'm like, I got crazy glue in my bag, sir. So I crazy glue my forehead shut. It bandaged my head up. And then I start taking pictures in the back with people. My socks in my boots were blood red. And afterwards, we all went to the bar to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you probably were still bloody depths while you were at the bar drinking, too. Um, a lot of the spots on my face had blood uh, in my ears, uh, around my eyes, in my nose. But I washed the essentials, the armpits and balls. Because <laughs> if I was going to get some... I don't want I don't want her to smell a sweaty dick. <laughs> yeah, no woman wouldn't like that. <laughs> Make sure there's no blood on it too, because she might think I just got done having sex with a girl water, period. <laughs> now tell me a little bit about New Jersey wrestling. I hear a lot of stuff about New Jersey wrestling, the style of it and the fans. Tell me a little bit about wrestling in New Jersey. New Jersey is pretty flooded with wrestling. I mean, not at the moment with the coronavirus, but it's pretty flooded with companies that are popping up all the time. Um, there's not really any rules out here in New Jersey, whereas in like Pennsylvania, New York, Delaware, there's a lot of commission rules. So you can get away with a lot more here in Jersey with violence, uh, blood, guts like that. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> but the funny thing is, me living here, I rarely wrestle in Jersey. <laughs> really? That, that's the kicker. I'm more out of state than anything. I feel like I'm never home. <laughs> uh, my home company, ECPW, they give me a lot of bookings. I'm their current light heavyweight champion. So anytime I get to wrestle in Jersey and drive 45 minutes compared to 10 hours, I'm blessed. <laughs> hey, that's my own bed. I'm happy. Hey, that's pretty. Different companies that run different styles. Uh, the CZW, they do dojo wars. They have their uh, cage of death matches. Companies like Pro Wrestling After Dark, they bring out a lot of names from TV. Um, well, there's a lot of pop-up companies this time of year, too, at Income Tax. It's weird to keep track of them all. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's always a good time. And I'm sorry, I do have to cut this short. I okay. did, did get to my destination. Okay. One more question before you get off. Yes. Where can everybody find Dirtbag Dan on social media? So, I'm not an Instagram guy, so you can check me out on three different... Um, social media sites one Facebook all you gotta do is search Dirtbag Dan is three names Dirt Space Bag Space Dan you can find me on Twitter at The Dirtologist and if you're feeling a little old school find me at myspace.com forward slash the pet one myspace I'm plugged by myspace all day still <laughs> <laughs> that still exists it does. I go on and look at my old pictures all the time. It's great. <laughs> all right, Dirtbag Dan. Thank you for coming on out of your busy schedule to come on to my podcast. Thank you for having me. And please, let's do this again. If we can get a hold of Joey Janela on here, let's do a three-way. Hey, if you if you can reach out to Joey Janela, let me know and let's let this happen. Well, when you post, are you going to post this on Facebook, Twitter? I'm going to post this on Facebook, Twitter, and it's going to be on my uh, social platforms um, where you can find Wrestle Popcast 
on Twitter. You can find WrestlePopCast at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, uh, CastBox. Um, you can follow me at YouTube at WrestlePopCast, Facebook at WrestlePopCast, and you can follow WrestlePopCast at Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net and Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. Love it, brother. Well, I'm going to tag him in it once we uh, once I see it uploaded. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great evening. And everybody else, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. <laughs>